Um, thank you so much for coming this morning. If I have not met you, my name is Lauren Etter, and I get to serve as the women's minister here at Rock Point Church. And um, this was not scheduled for me to be here this morning. Our sweet Chris has been sick, but she's actually um, feeling okay, healthy, as far as physically. Um, she has um, had some, some really rough couple of weeks um, and has some very dear friends who are extremely ill. And so um, after last week's events with one of our dear friends, um, she prayed about and decided that she needed a week just to have time just with the Lord um, to work out um, some prayers that she has and also to mourn and just to struggle through. And so um, we absolutely support that. And so it, it actually worked into the teaching for today because I wanted to make sure that um, we are transparent with you and share with you that um, we certainly don't lead up here from platform with lives that are perfect or are untouched by hurt or harm or um, sacrifice or, or questions. And um, it just is that we were called to serve in this particular way for this particular moment, but we definitely are not immune um, to life being hard. And so when we are up here talking to you all, we are, we are walking through the same seasons that you guys are walking through um, as our hearts break and we cry out to the Lord for healing and for guidance and for him to step in and help. And sometimes we have seasons where it just feels like it is one more thing and it is just We've hit, our, we've hit our maximum capacity, um, and that is where Chris was. And so she gave me permission to share that and wanted me to share with you because while our mission at, at Rock Point Women's Ministry and the church is to make more and, more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, um, our mission as women and our ministry here also is to be transparent with you always, um, to always serve from a um, position of, of being humble and making sure that we make sure that we are not hypocritical, that we realize that we are also sinners and we also have struggles, we also have questions, um, and that we are working through in our faith the same way that everyone else that walks through these doors does also. Um, it would be a, a, a sin and a lie to stand on platform and act as if we have it always all together or that we are super Christians in some way. Um, that is not the case. And so we always want to lead in any event or gathering or class that we have at this church in our ministry to let you know that we are no different from you um, and that we want to be as transparent and real and honest with you at all times. Um, even this morning when I was praying with um, one of my mentors, um, I was sweating this teaching out um, heavily and um, told her that my prayer was that she would pray for my heart because I had had to repent this morning because I was more worried about being good on platform because I am out of sync. I used to teach every week and um, it's like a muscle that if you don't work, um, it, it gets atrophied and my muscles atrophied because I don't do it as often because I have people like Chris who do it so well and for me. And so when I have to step in that it was my first thought was, I have got to not stink. <laughs> and that was not the right response first. The right response was, I need to glorify an audience of one because we all serve an audience of one. We love you all, but the reality of it is, is that we are here to serve an audience of one, and his opinion is truly the only one that matters. But that was not my first thought was, I don't want to stink. And then God reminded me, like, well, you, know, you may stink because you forgot who you're serving. So I apologize in advance, um, but that, that is the truth. Um, so much like we studied this week, the truth that we studied, um, it really worked into how this week has worked out. Um, I was really led to um, the very first page of your this week's study, which is Mark 12, uh, verses 43 and 44. And if you don't have your Bibles handy, that is actually the first page of this week's study. And that verse um, says this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more in the treasury 
than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Let me read that one more time with some different emphasis. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, which means she had nothing, put in everything, all she had to live on. Um, many of you probably have been in our studies know that Chris typically writes her own study every year. Um, and that was something that was kind of a disappointment for some people when they realized that, that although she's teaching and it's her own words, this book was not written by Chris, and this is different. It's been about eight years that Chris has been writing um, her own words. And a um, little extra something you don't know is that although Chris is on staff, she is paid um, on staff not for her teaching. She's actually paid for, she's our communications director. So all things social media, all things written, that is Chris's love language, and that is what she does for us. Um, at Rock Point, we do not pay any um, teachers um, in any way shape or form. All of our teachers that you see anytime in any class are all volunteers. Those are all volunteer hours. And so last year when we were praying about what we were going to offer you this year, um, it came apparent to me and to some of our other staff, we felt really strongly that the Lord was leading Chris to take a sabbatical to a degree from writing, to utilize a well-vetted study, to still use her own words every week to teach, but to take a break from the teaching. She's had eight years of that, and we just felt like it was a time of rest for Chris. Um, Chris was not really happy to hear that we had heard that from the Lord, because she really enjoys writing, um, but she did pray about it. And although she didn't really understand the why, she was obedient to what the Lord had asked her to do. Um, and many times in my life, that is what God has asked me to do, is he'll ask me to say no to something, to say yes to something, to step away from something. And a lot of times he doesn't share the other part of the story. It's up to me to have learned with like a muscle to be obedient even when I don't know the other side. It's often that we look backwards and see why he's provided or, or guided us in the way he has. And this year has become very apparent that that is why God said, Chris, you need margin because you're gonna have a lot of people to love on that need you right now in your life. Because she chose not to write, which she spends hundreds of hours preparing, she was able to spend time with the people she loves the most in this last year, um, without knowing that she was going to need more ample time to love on additional people that are gonna need her more going forward. And this has given her a way to be able to be here with you all and teach each week and love on you, but also given her the time during the middle of the week to be with the people that she loves the most that is in her first mission field and those are the friends and family that God has placed into her life. But with that call, it means that she was obedient without knowing exactly why and trusting that God would take care of all the pieces and the needs of what he was calling her to do um, in her life. And so that's much what we see in this area of Mark is this widow who gave out of what little she had, they call that poverty. Um, and during that time, poverty truly meant like you had nothing. We're going to actually look into a little bit of what that meant during that time. Um, and Jesus really zoned in. Uh, for us in this area of scripture, he's really calling out the, the hypocrisy of many of the faith people that were leading during that time. He's calling out those that are putting on for show, much like my ego was telling me this morning, to look a certain way without really remembering who they were serving. 
So here's a little background on what's going on um, that I didn't find in the study that I thought might um, help kind of set the, the, the stage for this area of Mark. One thing I want to let you know is that in this particular story in Mark, this is the final episode you're going to read about um, in Jesus' public ministry um, as recorded by Mark. You will find more in other areas of the Bible, but in Mark, this is the final episode you're going to see of his public ministry. Um, he, in this area, really wants to contrast kind of the super-religious, hypocrite um, scribes versus this destitute widow that was just a follower of Jesus. The scene is in the temple or the church, um, and in this teaching, he's really zoning on these two types of people, and he wants the disciples to, to understand this teaching, okay? Um, one of the scribes um, that he's spotlighting, that area, what he's spotlighting there is this severe, like, reek of self-intoxication that the scribes had, um, this power and prestige that they sought um, to be noticed and to be revered. Um, they wear flowing robes, as it says in 1238. They have the best seats in the church. They sit at places of honor at the feasts, um, and that they devour widows' houses. And what they're meaning by that is um, a lot of them had sticky fingers, so the money that was donated in the church, often the scribes helped themselves too. So that is what he means by devouring widows' houses, as widows were giving. Many of them had possibly children that they were dependent, that dependents they were giving. They weren't just taking care of themselves, um, but they were giving generously to the church, and the scribes were utilizing that for themselves to make sure they had those beautiful flowing robes and that their lives were fulfilled in a way that looked really good. So um, Jesus looked upon the preening of these scribes as the art of self-advancement in the name of religion, um, and we still see that today, unfortunately. So the scene shifts to the temple treasury where Mark notes that a lot of people were throwing around a lot of money. So this is something like a public display of showing who's got what and how much you're giving. It was probably held in the court of women, which was interesting. This is something I did not know until I was really researching. Um, in the sanctuary of the temple, there was an area called the court of women, um, which was interesting since we are women studying the scripture. And that is an area in the temple that only women and children were allowed to worship. This is where they were allowed to worship. So that's where all of this was set up. Um, these things were called chauffeur chests, that they're receptacles for money, and they were presumably in the shape of a chauffeur or a ram's horn. They were very ornate and large, and they were conveniently located right there in the front for everyone to see uh, in the front uh, for financial contributions. And into one of these, this solitary widow put in two lepta, and lepta that was the smallest coin at that time in circulation, and it equaled one sixty-fourth of a denarius, which was a day's wage. So equaled one sixty-fourth of a day's wage, and she put two of those in, and that was all that she had. So Jesus' solemn pronouncement when he reads this, it says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, like out of what was left over. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. So he's not meaning the financial amount that people are putting in. He's not measuring like, the actual monetary value of what they are contributing. He's, he, what he's valuing is the contribution, contributions of their heart, of what it cost them to be able to give. The value of the gift, in other words, is not the amount given. It's the cost to the giver. And that's always a really good way to, weigh, to kind of weigh what we're, what we're giving. 
Others gave what they could spare, but she could spare nothing and still gave. She held back nothing. Others gave of their surplus, but she gave out of her extreme need all that she had to live on. In several respects, this story summarizes Mark's leading themes, which was Jesus gave his all, his very life, to God on the cross on behalf of all mankind. That this story illustrates faith and trust. The widow did not make the sacrifice for a worthwhile cause. He, she only made it for God. And this story also speaks of the ultimate act of servanthood and is a fitting conclusion to Jesus' public ministry. The nameless widow who gave all that she had to God, just as Jesus gave um, his all on behalf of all mankind. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's Mark 10.45. So the common theme I saw threaded throughout this week's teaching was devotion and trust and faith. Um, if you'll flip with me, we're going to actually turn to Mark 12, verses, uh, Mark 12, verses 38. Starting there, move over. This is harder to do with a handheld than I expected with one hand. Okay, so starting in Mark uh, verse uh, 12, verses 38 through 40. Read along with me. He also said in his teaching, beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces, the front seats in the synagogues and in the places of honor at banquets. They devour women's widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher punishment. He goes on to say in verse 41, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people came Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she possessed, all that she had to live on. Remember, Chris said, whenever we say, whenever Jesus says, truly I say to you, and this is actually um, my study Bible, um, it's a, a Holman, and so it's a little bit different language, but here he says, um, instead of truly, he says, I, he says, I assure you, so it's, that's making sure, like, we know, pay attention. Um, he wants us to pay attention to what she is doing. If you have heard, if you've studied Matthew, you might notice that this is very similar language to another area in Scripture, Matthew 6, verses 5 and 8. And I'm going to read to you if you can't flip to that fast enough. You're going to notice this is a common theme that we are reminded of here. Starting in verse 5, it says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the churches and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. And to summarize that, it's not for show. I've often said that I love to pray. I love to pray, but I am not a pretty prayer. <laughs> I don't pray in a, like a beautiful, poetic way. 
I don't. But I do pray with complete confidence and anticipation of seeing God act. Maybe not always in the way I understand, but I am confident that he hears and understands and feels my need, whether he understands, whether I understand what he's going to answer or not. He understands what our needs are more than I do. He is able to see everything working at once. And so even though these people prayed beautifully and had all the right words and could recite scripture by just memory and could say the right things, their actions and the way they lived said the exact opposite. And we see that still in today's time. I had a moment where the Lord reminded me when I personally did this not too many years ago when my husband and I transitioned when our tithing to tithing online as opposed to passing um, the, the silver, our, our gold uh, giving dishes. And it was during COVID when we weren't touching anything. And so when we came back to church and we passed them one service, I remember thinking, I need to put something in there because people are not going to know that I tithe online. They're going to think I don't give anything. And I, and I mean, I really had that thought. And I was like, should I pull out? Do I have any cash? I need to put something in here so they know I tithe because I feel like I have to tell everyone around me, hey, we actually tithe online. I'm actually, I did give. I'm not just passing this plate. And I was like, what am I doing? This is crazy. I mean, immediately I thought of Matthew because I was studying that. It's like, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. That it does not matter the amount I'm giving. It does not matter how I'm giving it. All that matters is that he knows that I'm giving out of my most and that is who I'm accountable to. It doesn't matter who around me at church knows I'm passing this plate giving something. I don't need to let everyone know that I'm giving online or that I'm giving at all. Jesus doesn't necessarily even need that we need to give financially. We give of our time. We give of our love. We give of our prayers. We give of our efforts and our talents. There are so many ways to give to the kingdom. And your giving monetarily changes during the seasons that you're in. It's truly up to you and the Lord to give to a place that you feel like you have honored him in the way he's called you to honor in your life. But even I, every time I see those passing plates now, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. It's a reminder, Lauren, you are not immune to this world and to wanting to look and feel and be seen as a certain way. Let me remind you of your brokenness and your sin so you remember that I will do what I need to do through you always. We, we, we see similar warnings throughout the Bible, but the Matthew one is the one I stuck with, and I immediately saw those flowing robes and knew that's right where Mark was taking us. God knows our true intentions. He knows the condition of our hearts at all times. Are we doing or serving in a way that is for public affection and consumption, or are we do, doing out of a devotion and obedience to the Lord that we serve and that we love? There was an area in your study that I loved. I can't wait to hear how your discussions go. It was on the last page, um, on page 94, and it's actually um, after question 14. It was the connect section, um, and sweet Linda Bean even mentioned this to me when we found out I'd be teaching because I, I loved this portion of your study. I hope that you have time to discuss this, where it says, in your group, discuss times when you lacked faith in either the scriptures or the power of God. Perhaps this has even occurred during your study of Mark. Just like the disciples, we all struggle with faith sometimes, no matter how much time we spend with Jesus. Then pray that God would give each person courage to trust him in those areas. I think that's such an important reminder. I think it's one of the reasons the Lord, um, well, I know there's lots of reasons the Lord had the disciples. One was to make more and better disciples and to share the word and share the truth and the, and the good news. I feel like another reason was that he showed that we need to have community People who are different from us, people who have different backgrounds, different ages, different ideas, different gifts, because the disciples were all different from each other. 
And it's important to show that we have community. As much as Jesus went off on his own and prayed and had time with the Lord on his own, he also had a family. He also had disciples. He also had friends. He also mourned with them. And so he had community. We're not meant to be in isolation. Um, we had a guest speaker at church um, last month who spoke about isolation and how isolation, too much of it, can lead to distortion. It can lead to distortion of hope. It can lead to distortion of truth. It can lead to, to, to distortion of your current circumstances. Um, and that was something that we would see that the Lord continues to show us throughout Scripture is that although he had time alone, time of Sabbath, he also had time with people, with other fellow believers and unbelievers to share this side of heaven together. Um, but one of the things I also think he shared time with the disciples is to show that he continued to mature their faith the more he walked with them. He continued to bring them along and allowed them to see what he was doing so he could learn because with time, with continued study, with continued life experiences, your faith matures. My faith is totally different than it was 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. And I expect it to be deeper and better 10 years from now if I continue to stay in the Word and allow the Lord to work through my life and in my heart and reveal what He needs me to know. So I hope that as you discuss today, you realize that there are going to be times in your life where you're going to have prayers that go unanswered, or you're going to have prayers that didn't get answered at all, or answered in the way you understand. There's going to be times in your life where Scripture is going to make absolutely no sense to you. And he tells us that. His ways are not our ways. There's going to be areas that we don't understand. So, but we operate in those areas of gray, in those areas of the unknown. We fall onto what we know is the character of God. And that is what we base those assumptions on, is that in the areas of the unknown, we find comfort in who we do know the character of God to be. And that he's a loving and faithful God. He's a father that never leaves us and is with us to the very end of the age. So with that said, and with what Chris is walking through, and what, with what I know I'm personally walking through in my struggles and wondering the what-ifs and crying out to the Lord for healing and for um, reconciliation for people in my life, um, it is not lost on me that there's many people in this room who have that same situation in their lives, whether it's children, whether it's marriages, whether it's illness, whether it's broken friendships, whether it's financial, whether it's loneliness, there's so many things going on in our world. It's fear. Um, or you know someone who's going through one of those. And so many times at church, um, we have the pleasure of, of having a time of prayer where we stand um, if we're struggling in those areas, or we stand for someone else um, that we know is struggling in those areas. So we're going to have a time of prayer um, where I'm going to lead us through some prayer, and I invite you to stand if you have any of those prayers or any of those areas that you're worrying about or struggling or praying through, and I would ask that if you're not going to stand, if you would come and lay hands on someone standing around you because there is power in prayer, but there is so much power in prayer when we are gathered together um, or two or three or more are gathered. And so um, just wanted to remind you, like, if, if there's someone that, that is on your heart that is struggling, please stand for them. And if there is something on your own heart, please stand. I can tell you that every time we have this exercise at church, I always stand because many years ago, someone very wise told me that when someone offers to pray for you, you always say yes. It's like being offered a breath mint. You never turn that down. And so please stand if you choose to. Um, if you don't want to stand, that's okay too. God knows all of the reasons. He knows all the things already. You don't have to stand. But if you'll join me, I'm going to pray for us, and then you're going to get to go to your groups with a little bit of extra time to discuss this incredible lesson this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to come together. 
I thank you, Lord, for these women in this room and for those watching online. I thank you, Lord, for Chris and for your word. I thank you for the leadership of this church that supports um, women's ministry um, and all the other ministries here at church. I thank you for the way it loves on uh, its members and its non-members. I love the way um, and appreciate the way it, it continues to make more and better disciples within our communities. Lord, you know how broken our world is. You warn us um, of the current state that we are in. Um, but we love and appreciate that you are always near. God, you know what's going on in every single woman's heart um, in this room and online, um, what they're feeling, what they're struggling with, the questions and the unknowns. We thank you for the grace that you have given us over those areas of unknowns. Lord, I lift up every prayer request in this room, those that are spoken and unspoken. God, I ask for healing, for hope, for miraculous ways to be known, for you to be felt near and present and active. I ask God that they would have times of quiet and rest, even in the midst of fear. I ask God that you would bless um, doctors or loved ones or caretakers with wisdom. I ask God that you would bring our children close, that they would know the love of you and your son and the power of your spirit and your word. I ask God that you would do a revival in this world on the side of heaven, in this community, in this church, and the whole church. I ask God that you would be near to those standing uh, for themselves or for someone else or for both, that they would feel your presence, your power, your love, your spirit in a mighty, mighty way. I thank you for the extreme and humbling opportunity is to be here on this stage and praying for these women. I thank you, Lord, for the way they challenge me, for the love they've given me, and for the, what I learned from each of them. I just ask God that you would comfort your people, um, that we would see you show off in a mighty way, and that we would feel your presence today, that we would glorify you in all that we say and do in our discussions, and we would hunger and pursue your word and a deeper relationship with you always. We love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.